in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello, this is Nora. Hi, this is Holly, and we're coming to you from Shenzhen, the most amazing city in China. Yeah, not that we're biased or anything. Nah. Well, we, yeah, we do enjoy living in the city. We do. We have just had a mini break, but that was for the whole of China. True.、Uh, lit, what was it? International Labour Day,、mm-hmm. which I I understand is celebrated all over the world, but in China you get a, a day off. Well, they say it's a three-day holiday. <laughs> yeah,、right. this is a typical thing about China. Is whenever they have these holidays, you all you usually have to make up for them by working on other days. So, for example, if they give you a two-day holiday, and let's say it's on a Monday and a Tuesday, you'll probably end up coming into work, having to come into work on a Saturday following that. To make up for those days、yeah. that you were gone from the office, so they say this one is a three-day holiday, but really that includes Saturday and Sunday, which were already going to be holidays anyway.、Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't mind the working on the Saturday thing. I find it quite like it's almost like just a change of scenery. Sort of does me a bit of good, but I don't like it when they tack it on the end or the beginning of like. So in October we've got that golden week, and there's always you have like that nice break, but then you before it you have to work like eight days straight or or nine days straight or something ridiculous、yeah. in order to have a seven day holiday. So it's like you have to have the holiday to you know actually relax from the time you've been at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the spring festival too, we usually work. Several,、oh, yeah,、week. like a month's worth of weekends. Yeah, so every so for yeah, like for a month <laughs> leading up to the spring festival, then you have to work every Saturday.、Mm-hmm. It's hard call, but again, I don't know. I feel like it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind too much. I guess that's how they keep business going. Yeah. Well, free time is this,、uh, you know, kind of. Decadent luxury here, so、mm-hmm. they're just not used to.、It. Actually, in a lot of parts of China, they work six day. It's pretty standard to work six day work weeks. In、uh, Sichuan, it was pretty much everybody worked、yeah. a six day work week. Yeah, I find it、um, very interesting about、um, how certain, like for example, like re- like estate agents, they seem to work seven days a week, and they work from like ten in the morning till eleven at night. Like, I just think, when do you ever get just chance to just relax? But a lot of, a lot of people here are like that. They seem to have like extra jobs on the side and stuff.、Mm-hmm. The cab drivers too.、Yeah. They do like crazy long shifts, and they'll even just like sleep in the car. Yep. It is hardcore. Indeed. <laughs> so we have、uh, reviews or news or anything. We've got、on. some news. Yay! Yeah. So talking of free time. <laughs> um. So um. Nora has mentioned about her love of these n- these new like rent a bike things that you can just um scan um the QR code from your f-、uh, like on your phone and it charges you a very cheap rate like what five mao or something like which is hot. What is that even in? No, no, like it's 15, a tiny amount, ten or fifteen cents. It's, it's a tiny amount of money per mile or kilometer. Anyway,、uh, this story is about a guy who 
uh, decided to try out one of these uh, these bike companies because there are numerous even just in Shenzhen now there's maybe five or six different mm-hmm. companies so uh, unfortunately though he um, <laughs> he'd only been on the bike for 20 minutes um, but he managed to get a 414 uh, wait 400,000 uh, UN bill after only, t- only 20 minutes on this bike so he had um he had scan yeah you know like scanned scanned his um scanned the bike cuz th- so they've got this like QR code most of them don't they and then you just scan it and it just calculates how far you go and then just charges you so he'd connected the app and he'd paid his deposit and then um you know obviously like it's 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 meant to be really cheap so it says he took out the bike um, at 7.29 p.m. and then locked it back up less than 30 minutes later. But at 8.34 p.m. he was horrifi- horrified to find that his bill had somehow shot up from <laughs> 5 yuan to 400,000, over 400,000 yuan in less than an hour. Whoa. But the app cl- uh, with the app claiming that he had biked for more than 48 hours, <laughs> burning off uh, over 18,000 calories in the process. Despite the fact that he had apparently only travelled zero point zero one kilometers, <laughs> oh wow! So the whole thing scared him to death, and uh, he had over ten thousand yuan in that bank account, and he was obviously like really worried that it was gonna get taken from this app. Uh, he he contacted the police, who said it had nothing to do with them, and that he should contact oh. the company. Um, so to be on the safe side, he took the bike to the police station and showed. He had screenshots of everything, like. Um, of his distance and everything, he'd probably sh- he'd been sharing it on social media, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so he'd gone to sleep the next day. Found that uh, for some for some reason he had an an additional twelve UN and had burned off an additional five million calories overnight. <laughs> oh, no. So by the end, uh, he managed to contact the customer service hotline and got it sorted out. But this is not the first time this sort of situation has happened. Uh, in Shenzhen and Hangzhou in particular, there's been, and it's, I think it's this particular, I don't want to out the brand, the bike company, but it's one particular company that I've had problems, but it's not the one you, you cycle with, so. No. Cycle with. Or no, use. it can't be. Yeah, so. Oh, but I when mean, I God, use this charge per half hour, so it's like one oh, is it? quiet per half hour, so it doesn't matter how far you go or how much you burn, it's just. Well, it depends on the bike. They have mini version. I don't know the dis- difference between the two, but some bikes are one quai per half hour and some bikes are half a quai mm-hmm. per half hour, which I am still trying to dissect how those companies make money because I did the math. So let's say the bike is being used 24-7, which is, come on, not yeah. people aren't going to necessarily rent every single bike, you know, like three in the morning, someone's going to be riding the bike. Obviously, you see them sitting and they aren't being used. So, the bikes cost... I saw, like, a breakdown of how much the ones that I... So, I use Mobike. And those bikes cost something like 4,000 RMB per bike. Really? Yep. Yep. They're very expensive. Yeah, because they're very heavy and they're very good quality. And they have excellent GPS... Built-in GPS system. Mm. Um... And the lock is really good. Like, basically, the, to unlock, you just scan it. It's so easy. And then to lock it, you just swipe it. It's so easy. So it's, like, all this great technology. Anyways, 
And they just look cool. They're nice. Like the they don't have uh, they have some kind of special wheels that the they don't need to pump air into them, and hmm, cool. they're like really sturdy. Anyway, so you would have to basically have a bike running twenty four seven for over six months just to make back the cost of the bike. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there are other factors that go into it. you need maintenance within six months. Of course, a bike is going to need maintenance, especially yeah. if it's being ridden twenty four seven. So how do these companies make money? Because they also have a great app, and then they've got people working for their team. I mean, they've got salaries to pay, all this stuff. So mm-hmm. we just, like, try and analyze how they make money. Maybe it's the deposits. But they have to give the deposits back. When do they get, So every time you use a bike, do you have to put the deposit down, or is it just a running thing? You just put the deposit when you first use a bike. It's like a but every forty dollar deposit every single time, right? It's just frozen. It's always there. So they, but so isn't that technically theirs? No, because if you wa- if you cancel the service, then they give it back to you. Yeah. Okay. So, but all right. So I'm thinking there must be like situations where people actually have done something to the bike and then get the have to pay the deposit. Or get lose their deposit. But if they do something to the bike, then they have to use that money to repair the bike, right? I doubt they're trying mm. to charge people because the bikes are very expensive to repair. Yeah, maybe. I think the only thing that I can think of is that okay, there are probably over a million users by now because I mean they're in Shenzhen. I've seen over. I think there's something over a hundred thousand bikes in Shenzhen, and then. They're in Guangzhou, I saw them, and they're in Shanghai for sure. I don't know about Beijing, maybe Beijing too. So my guess is that they take the deposit money from the users and they invest it. Yeah, so they are using it, right? They're using yeah. it for something. I know obviously they have to give it back, but they, I think they're using it for, like, yeah, it's, it is theirs. Like, because there's no way they make money from the users. Probably after some time, I imagine, just like everything else, they'll slowly increase the price. I don't know, cause the because the market's so competitive and all those other companies, mm. if they increase the price, people will probably switch. Yeah, maybe. I think that they just they take all that money. So imagine, so it's like fifty bucks per person, and there's a million people. It's a lot of moolah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm curious to know what their model is, but I don't really care that much because it's brilliant. I freaking love using Mobike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, that sucks about that guy, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got it sorted anyway, so. That's good. No problem. So, yeah, if you happen to be using these bikes and you get a ridiculous bill, chances are you can get it sorted. <laughs> okay, so uh, our question today comes from uh, Jajo Ren, and uh, I- I'm going to say he, but I don't know left a message on our voicemail page just like a written message which you can do like you if you've got a question for us you can leave us a question on uh writtenchinese.com um or on our two white chicks facebook page which is two white chicks um t-w-o not the number um so here is his question uh, at the risk of alienating some of your listeners, I'm curious as uh, to how you girls have been weathering the recent and current political events taking place in your home countries. So I guess I should have prefaced this. Um, this message was left before, even before the new, like New Year. 
so it's a little bit old, but anyway. Um, has Brexit or the spectacle of the US election hmm. had any effect on your lives in Shenzhen? Um, aside from your opinions and our experiences, um, how do the Chinese themselves feel about Brit <laughs> Britain's xenophobia and isolationism? What do you think about US politicians promising to sink the TPP and blaming China for everything from cyber terrorism to economic warfare? I've heard that the Chinese are both intensely interested about what's happening abroad while simultaneously having no idea about the world beyond their borders. I.e., I've read that a large amount of Chinese think House of Cards is real, and Kevin Spacey is actually the president of the U.S. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to read my question. Keep up the great work. So, <laughs> an interesting question there. A loaded one, for sure. Yeah. Tread lightly. Uh, yes. Well, we, we've obviously, before Nara and I began to record, we'd already sort of decided... Don't get too excited. There's not going to be any politically, politically fueled conversation or debate here i don't think that's not what you're here for you're here for a life in china expose so i feel <laughs> yeah. like talking about uh i mean okay i'd say in a nutshell that no my life hasn't been affected in Mine, any way yeah, yeah. But base. The only thing that has changed because of these political events is that pretty much any other foreigner that I meet from another country asks me, what do you think about Trump? Like, that seems yeah, to be the question. Right. Like, everybody needs to know. And then as soon as you make your answer, then they're like, put you in one box or the other box. Um, <laughs> so, so that's probably the only thing that, uh, I've experienced that mm -hmm. has changed. Yeah, um, I, I feel like the the U.S. election was far more interesting than Brexit was here. Like, you think people, so? yeah, here, I maybe, didn't really yeah. get a lot of. A couple of people sort of mentioned it to me, but it was mostly like friends, like for other foreigners that said, you know, how do you feel? You know, it wasn't really any Chinese like colleagues or you know other people I know. Um, yeah, again, again, it hasn't it hasn't affected it hasn't affected me. Mm-hmm at all <laughs> yeah it's kind of actually nice to be outside of that arena mm -hmm. just being on the other side of the planet um and i've taken solace in being able to stay away from the madness yeah and watch it from afar that's exactly how i feel i remember when um the you know the brexit the 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 um the election was, you know, going on. People were voting, and there was a lot of tension because obviously uh, the time difference is, you know, there's a big time difference. So uh, I think I, f I found out it's, you know, some sort of late hour, and um, I, but I felt tension. I felt, but but it was only passed on from like Facebook, basically. That's hmm. where I, you know there was so much like panic and like oh, mostly panic. Mm -hmm. um about what this was going to ha what would happen like if you know it went through and everything like that but oh uh, yeah i didn't feel i didn't feel concerned i felt like i and this is going to sound really harsh but i felt like there was a lot of drama uh, you know unnecessary drama and like panic yeah well i think that's part you know partly based off of just you know the news trying to get ratings oh, yeah, sure. and all this and clicks and click throughs and all this stuff. So they always try to yeah, they know what they're doing. Not that it, it wasn't a big deal. It's also still surprising 
that both of these things have happened in your country and my country, but... Yeah, and in such a small, uh, short space of time as well. Mm-hmm. Times, they are a-changing. Mm-hmm. So I was intrigued by this um, Kevin Spacey as president thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I've watched House of Cards. Have you? I've only seen the pilot. Yeah. It was good. And I've seen some of the, like, it's based on a British show, which and I've seen some of that. Um, so, um, for those of you who don't know, House of Cards is about Kevin Spacey's um, journey to becoming president of the US, but not really. Um, <laughs> so, I, I did some search, I did some research on this just to see if there was anything online that said people in China think that. Kevin Spacey's president, and what came up was actually that a lot of, sorry, a lot of uh, U.S. citizens actually think that Frank Underwood is president. No. Yeah, yeah. He said. So I read this sort of like interview um, where Kevin Spacey was talking about how um, basically, pe- you know, a, a lot of people assumed that he was president and he said um what kind of world do we live in when people uh, can't tell the difference <laughs> like between between reality and you know tv basically yeah uh but i i want to add that this is not like this isn't a new thing this has happened for years and years with like so- soaps in the uk and it probably happens in the us as well like with really um long um, that shows have been running for years and years and people become so like connected to these characters um, that you know they'll see the actor in the street and shout at them and tell them how terrible what a terrible person they are because yeah. they somehow have confused TV with reality and that you know so I'm this I'm sure this isn't like a, a new thing but I was this very, is very uh, on steroids though because I've definitely heard of that too where people have been either like they they love the actor and so they're you know obnoxious or they mm-hmm. hate the actor so they're obnoxious right but yeah but to think that somebody in it that kevin spacey is actually the president that's would, a new level i think he would make a great president yeah i'm just putting out that <laughs> uh but the going back to like china and it's like chat like the relationship with um uh house of cards it's actually done really well here mm-hmm. and um so it, it it did it had the second season had 30 million views on Sohu which is one of uh China's like streaming platforms and uh, and it's still like one of the top shows uh and so last year there was um every year there's like singles day which is uh the 11th of the 11th so all all sticks like all singles and so <laughs> Alibaba had obviously like basically on this day Taobao and Alibaba have like these massive sales and so they had a variety show which I didn't know about uh, a 4 hour variety show and one of the like small sketches was Kevin Spacey um basically telling everyone like to buy, you know to buy all these cheap products and stuff as the president so yeah, which is quite interesting. China's gonna own all of us. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I mean, what I found out about this variety show was there were a lot of like uh, actors, like uh, Daniel Craig, who plays James Bond, and that you know other sort of celebrities were on this variety show. I hadn't even heard anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they'll do the same thing this year. 
I definitely see ads with famous people here that I think that they would never do back home. You mm-hmm. know, like I've seen Nicole Kidman in these like watch ads and stuff. Oh, and, and like yeah, I think I've seen Brad Pitt in and like, some Australian like uh, cosmetics or something. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, I think some of them are like they would never because it. They know that their audience in the U.S. wouldn't see the ads, so and they probably just get paid a crap ton of money, yeah, to do it. And yeah. so, but they, they're not embarrassing though. But I know what you, no, I, no, I do agree with you. Like, but I think a they, lot of people they just wouldn't stoop to that level to make money just right. because, like, they're you know they have their career and they don't need to do commercial. Because I mean, commercial's still uh, gonna be unless you really personally do believe in the product, it's still selling out, right? one way or another you're representing a thing yeah um and so i i find that here in china maybe people feel more free i've seen like basketball play i think kobe has been on couple they love him they love him so much i don't i mean i don't do basketball i don't i know him but i don't know anything really about him (laughs) yeah but we see him everywhere yeah and they call him kobe it's not like they call him like oh Kobe Bryant something something they call him Kobe well they think well they <laughs> I think also don't understand I think it's really nice in a way like, I think I find it really endearing <laughs> yeah but they they also don't understand that for because you know for them our names are so long mm. like Chinese names are usually two or three characters total so it's like very short very very short yeah. and so when they see these longer names they just think that they can shorten them half of the way. It, so makes, they it, say, it makes it easier. Yeah, so I've often, like, with my when I was teaching English the first year that I lived here, the students would be like, oh, do you know Avril? Avril? And I finally found out they were talking about Avril Levine. Levine, right, right. Which they couldn't pronounce the first name properly, and they thought that you could just say, do you know, like, just give the half of the name and think that you yeah. would understand what you, they were talking about. Yeah, I had a similar situation recently with... Um, uh, Barrett has his has grown his hair out, and so we were out with some Chinese friends having a drink, and she was like, "Oh, Barrett really looks like," and she was like, "Oh, what? like she couldn't remember the name." She was like, "Oh, Leonardo," and I was like, "Okay, I I mean, cause he has like it's like floppy, you know, like we would call them curtains, so it's sort of like round his face." So I knew she was talking about Leonardo DiCaprio, but I thought really like. Yeah, no, Leonardo. Who, it could be anyone, actually. Yeah, I mean, Leonardo's a rare name, it is, it is. yeah. But but still, the the point is just really... Da Vinci? Really funny. Huh. Da Vinci, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it is, it is like, there is definitely a separation between, like, the celebrities, what they're doing here in China versus back home. Yeah, cause, yeah you're right, because even though everything's online, you people re- are not really going to access it in the US or the UK mm. eh, people are gonna believe I mean there's always gonna be some weirdos out there who are yeah, just completely course. oblivious to what I mean who's in charge <laughs> yeah I and think... I mean does everybody need to be so I, I don't know I don't even feel like I have that much disdain for this kind of thing I think it's like if you don't okay if you want to just be a plebeian like the world needs plebeians too <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess some people are just not in like so far like de- detached from the let's just say the political world for mm. example um that they don't they're not interested and I I to be honest I'm sort of veering like more into that category than of interest. Mm-hmm. I know who the 
um, the president is and who the prime minister is, but I can't say I'm really interested in their policies or anything like that, which is really, it's really terrible, but... Is it? I don't know. I'm not sure. Like I said, I don't know if everybody needs to know everything that's yeah. going on, because I feel like the deeper you dig, the more you realize you don't know. But mm. uh, I'm also not trying to make the case for ignorance, but... No. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we need to feel guilty if you're not so cued into like what's going on with poli- like some platforms, political platforms. But yeah, I kind of took this question as I wanted to step back a little bit from the details of this question because he asks a lot of questions within this question, mm-hmm. and just kind of talk about the idea that being in China, with being in China, you're allowed to be disconnected from. Are you allowed, really, or is it just that it happens? So we ju- we're just like. Yay! It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you can be if you choose to be separated from all of this stuff, and it it does create a kind of disconnect, though. I mean, it's interesting to see. Like, usually, I don't feel this until I go back home, because um, I feel like I'm. I stay in touch, for the most part, with what's happening in the U.S. Mm. Um, in a general sense. It's but, still there. Yeah. <laughs> Does that country still exist? <laughs> no. Um, but when I go back home, I realize actually how disconnected that I am. So I never really got the culture shock thing coming to China. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, I just expected that the culture would be so drastically different. Yeah. And... Um, you know, things would be, there would be a lot of adjustments. I, that was already in my mind coming here. But when I go back home, I get what they call a reverse culture shock, where you think that, like, things should be so familiar to you, but actually you realize so much has changed, and yeah. so you kind of get shocked mm-hmm. that way. Um, the first year was the worst, and uh, it's kind of gradually, it's, it's always, th- little things take me by surprise. Now I'm used to just, like, yeah. you know, it's been almost eight years coming back and forth and also, like, going to Bulgaria, where my husband's from. Um, back and forth, back and forth. You kind of get used to the whole shifting between the cultures. But I realize how much changes in between the times I'm away. Yeah. Um, actually, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like the longer I've been away, each year I go back... I feel like I've missed just a little bit more. Oh. It's not a culture shock. I, I guess I wouldn't call it a culture shock, but I feel like I missed out on really, really small things. Like um, the first year I went back home with Barrett, I'd gone, I'd gone to a pub with, with with a group of friends, and they were they were using phrases and words that I had never heard before. So I know that's a really strange thing to like to think about but they were you know like and I didn't know I didn't understand what they were talking about and to feel like you sat with people from your own town that you you know you you went to school with you grew up with and they're using these phrases uh, and I just felt like such an alien yeah that's a Uh, really good point you don't realize how much language evolves how mm -hmm. quickly it evolves until you separate yourself and then when you go back yeah it's Mm -hmm. true same for me there's some slang I think things probably linguistically move faster in the UK just because you guys have more you mean you have more dialects you have more like uh i don't know like jokes and yeah that's it yeah we pick up like 
slang and languages from like really quickly yeah from tv and movies and you know like it gets if or if someone slips up like makes a linguistic slip like says something stupid like that that could go on for weeks and weeks and <laughs> or, or even years and people will still say oh you know make this comment and it's a reference to something someone did like years and years ago yeah yeah very quickly mm-hmm. morphs which is really surprising so yeah it's funny when it's your native language and you're like oh yeah. I need to review some of this vocabulary. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think the one thing I'm sort of, um, I feel like I lost touch with for some time was like, um, s- like cinema and music. Um, but I've managed to kind of get on top of that because I realized, and after obviously you learn to adapt that just because you're in China doesn't mean you can't access all these things. Um, so like, I, I feel like I'm back on with TV and movies, I guess. Hmm. Um, music not so much, but that's because I tend to live in an, another era where music is concerned. So modern music, we that you know that uh, East. Oh no, maybe it wasn't Easter. It, anyway, um, there's a there's a restaurant here called the New Orleans Kitchen. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and so my husband and I we go there, you know, now and again. And there was a so- uh, there's they have a band playing on a Sunday, and they were singing this song. And I had no idea what the song was. Mm. And there was a, a guy from Texas there, and he was like, oh, come on, like, how can you not know this song? It was, like, the most popular song, like, in the charts for, you know, in this year. And I was like, no idea what this song is. Never mm. heard it before. <laughs> I've had similar I was like, I, was, I was in China, so <laughs> I don't know. Some music gets across here, but it, it, I don't know. They tend to sort of, like, hold on to music for a long, long time. And then they just do. play it so much that you just going to go crazy because you've heard the same song like a hundred thousand times. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Justin Bieber and Backstreet Boys, all that stuff, they just... Backstreet Boys? How did that happen? I'd still play... Because still... they didn't get back together, did they? I don't... Did they? I don't know. <laughs> maybe I maybe don't that know. happened at some point. <laughs> but they still play the hits from the 90s? like Westlife? Like, yep. Yeah, uh, Mimi and I were in a uh, little rest, like a bar the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they had they were playing like a, a concert from Westlife. I'm like, who? What? Who yeah. listens to Westlife? Yeah. No, Crazy. I'm not dissing Westlife. Just come on, honestly. Yeah, no. As far as the musical <laughs> tastes are concerned, I'm not really impressed with China. <laughs> their um, pop music is awful, and their. Uh, they basically just take the tunes from Western music and just make them Chineseified. Yeah, definitely. And they play them over and over and over again. There's not a whole lot of soul going on in the music in the scene in China. It's partly because art in general is not really sell. Like you know, if you have a one-child policy, where even though okay, that doesn't exist anymore, but um, even like. Your parents are not going to encourage you to take part in, like, doing arts and things like that seriously right. on a serious level, just because you the need to risk, be a doctor or a scientist. Or something. Yeah, the risk that you're taking with your financial future is massive. So your parents are going to greatly discourage, if not ban you, from pursuing those interests on a serious level, unless it's like calligraphy or something like that. Yeah. But even so, I don't think that there many parents would opt for students to study 
Chinese calligraphy versus going to a four-year university. Oh, no, no, no. They I mean, just, just at, like, it. school. I mean, yeah. just in, like, high school. Just as, like, a uh, extracurricular class Oh, or yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them do music, like, Chinese music, like this yeah. guzheng, this big harp that's laid on its... It's laid um, perpendicular to the floor, mm-hmm. like, flat. Uh, or parallel with the floor. What am I talking about? Yeah. Parallel with the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like on a table basically and they play this big harp so they do take part in traditional instruments but again it's not serious it's not like they're trying to make careers out of these things yeah. and playing like instruments like guitar and drums and things uh, I would say are relatively unheard of they're mm-hmm. all playing very traditional uh, instruments Yep. although there is someone in my building who has a set of drums mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a young person or an adult <laughs> Yeah, you don't hear a lot of composers or, um, you know, pop stars coming out of China. They have their own stars in China, but Mm -hmm. you never hear of them in the rest of the world because the music is not very good. It's just not. I mean, I would love somebody to refute this and show me some really good good music because I've been... That's a great way to learn languages listening to music, and so I would love to find some good stuff, but it just doesn't exist from what I can see. A while back... um, I wrote an article, well, I'm going to say wrote, but it was just, it's an article about um, different um, songs that you can use to learn Chinese. And most of those songs were like from the 80s. Mm. Really much older songs that actually, I I don't know if you would call them like more original, but they were certainly more interesting than the pop rubbish that's been turned out now. Mm. Yeah, in Hong Kong, they definitely had that canto pop. And, that, and Taiwan, I think, has turned out a lot of good like musicians as well. Yeah. Or singers. More yeah. interesting, I think. But those are a different story. I'm talking yeah. about the mainland. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on here in terms of music. No, have you... I'm just sorry. Just I know you want to get move on to your next point, but uh, have you re- heard about the new pop band that have come out? And they they all look like boys, but they're actually all girls. What? Yep. No. Yeah, I saw... Uh, Wait, in China? Yeah, I very kind of... I didn't read the article exactly. I mean, it was just a picture. And they all look dress and have short haircuts. They look like... Kind like more gentle-looking boys. But they do look like boys. Um, but they're all women. Hmm. Five of them, I think. Four or five of them. I have not heard of that. It's very interesting. I can't remember the name of them, though, unfortunately. goes back to our gender-bending comments that we've talked about before, yeah. how China tends to play with the gender barrier. Yeah, I don't think there's any, like... I think there's interest in them, but no necessary, like, controversy. No, I think no, people no. just accepted them. It probably that. doesn't have anything to do with their sexuality. I would doubt that most of them were... No, no, like, I, I don't you think You know, so. they dress that way because they're uh, trying to be men... I mean... Let's say they're lesbians or yeah, something like yeah. that, and they're trying to be manly. I think they just they like that style. Right. I've seen a lot of women dressing like men here, like short yes, haircuts, definitely. big male watches, baggy jeans. But a lot of them, I don't think that they're they're gay or anything like that. They just like dressing like men. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And also on the other side of it, um, men. Not I. I don't. I don't want to say men. Men, but like more like boys like sort of um let's say between like 16 and 20 
the they wear very close fitting clothes, sort of yeah, more feminine. And florals are so yeah, right. popular with men in here in yeah. China. Like and, and floral sort of, pants, floral shirts. Yeah, and like textured clothes, like textured trousers that I feel like men in the West would never wear <laughs> unless yeah. you were, you know, on stage doing some sort and of And even thing. like sparkly. I've seen shirts with right. like see, like rhinestones and sparkly. Yeah, yeah. Bits. And really big belt buckles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like with like LV and that kind of thing. Yeah. And a and a man bag. Lots of Chinese men have man bags. Yeah. Which I still feel like in the West still hasn't been completely accepted. No. I don't think. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Speaking of, this is a great segue to my next point, which mm. is talking about fashion, mm-hmm. actually. How fashion has, how fashion, so the whole Absolutely. point I'm talking about this is that it's also another way that you can, you feel disconnected once you're living here. Like when I go back home, I realize that actually the fashion has changed. A bit too. It's usually not so dramatic, no. but it's little things that you notice. Oh, like even with the, th- the way that my mom dresses and stuff like that. And my mom is definitely not a trendsetter. She dressed she dressed more for comfort. She does a good job dressing herself, but she's not like fashion forward. But I still no. notice that her style kind of changes a little bit. Yeah, I noticed the same thing with my parents. Mm. But I wasn't sure if that was like the kids are gone. Let's treat ourselves <laughs> to some clothes. My mom says me. me Dad's, like, really enjoys shopping for clothes. Oh, nice. (laughs) Well, why not? My dad's all, he's stuck in time. (laughs) He's wearing the same shoes. I mean, he's one of those guys who, like, literally buy four boxes of the Mm -hmm. same shoes just because then he has, he doesn't have to pick out a new shoe. Yeah, when one wears down, then he just transfers that to a work shoe and then just takes a new pair. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you don't have to waste time thinking about what you're going to wear. He's just not bothered at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, I've also noticed. A th- I mean, I. I guess I'm not really a, a follower of fashion anyway. Like I don't try to follow trends so much. But um, yeah, I know. I notice it as well. Like I, I'm sure last time I was home, everyone seemed to be like in the eighties, like with mm. neon colors and stuff like that. It's not. That's not my thing. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for people to get out of the hipster phase. Like, come on, guys. Come on. It's you been all gone look, for so long. They all look the same. But hipster was just, I feel like, before hipsters, there was, like, emos. Yeah. And then people progressed into hipsters. But emos, I feel like, never took it mainstream. Like, there were always emos everywhere, but they were still a small percentage. Now I feel like hipster, like, everybody's a freaking hipster. And so they if think everyone's they're different. a hipster, they're not really hipsters. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> but they all, they all look the same. Like, all of them look the same. To be honest, I'm still not, like, completely certain what a hipster is. I'm just, like, I just assume that everyone is one. Yeah, no. If you wear a funky pair of glasses or, you know. Don't wash your hair. Is that part of it? You're not supposed to wash I think your hair. so. This kind of, like, messy bedhead thing and... Grungy. You know, a little bit, a little bit grungy, but like cool grungy. Like it's yeah. a cool style, but it's just everybody and like riding your bike around. Right. And stuff. Yeah, that's it. And like leather bag and like minimal jewelry and like this kind of this kind of stuff. It's it's just it used to be these eccentric few, and at that time I thought it was kind of cool as a style, but now it's like everybody yeah. looks the same. Right. So I'm just waiting for the next trend because I'm tired of this. It's been going on for so long. <laughs> and everyone lives in Portland, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 
Another thing that is that changes quite a bit, like the world spins madly on, is uh, the business and like technology. Mm-hmm. So. This is kind of the reverse thing, though, because I find that China moves so much faster in business and in tech. Well, okay, tech. I'm talking about day-to-day life technology. They adapt much faster than in the West. Yeah. And so that's an interesting thing to realize uh, how things change back home while we're here and actually, like, sometimes how thing- how slow things go. Yeah. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm stepping back in time when I go back to the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about everyone, like, everyone has, he has a smartphone and... Everybody. Yeah. There's recently been some talk about, like, AI in China and, you know, how they're kind of wanting to push things forward. Mm. Um, Whereas the rest of the world are more like, whoa, we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, Canada, things are happening with AI. They're Yeah, yeah, they're trying to set up, there's quite a few research centers now in Mm. Canada, so they're kind of becoming cutting edge... For AI, but in the U.S., I'm not sure how much. Yeah. And even so, even if there are or if there is a lot of development, it doesn't really reach the market until much later. I mean, on a wide scale, mm-hmm. you have people in the big cities who use the technology, but on a wide scale, it's, it seems to be much slower. Like people back home are slower adapters to a lot of things. I think. Mm-hmm. But I suppose everything's so much more like accessible here. You can. Eat. Like, for example, I remember before, or maybe it was just a little bit after I came here, sort of the drone thing really kicked off. Mm. But back home, a drone was like like a magical mystery, you know. No <laughs> one had a drone, like, you know, that was for really rich people, you know. But here, they're Everywhere. really easy to pick up, and they're really cheap. Mm-hmm. Well, they're being made here. I mean, we're yeah, in, that's it. Yeah. yeah, this is, they, they call Shenzhen the hardware Silicon Valley or the Silicon Valley of hardware mm-hmm. or something like that. There's a really cool documentary about Hua Chung Bay. Oh, really? Yeah, like really well done by Wired magazine. Oh. Yeah, nice. so you can you can look that up. Just look up Wired and then uh, Hua Chung Bay. Or if you just look up <laughs> Wired, I was going to say well, spell it all out. how about I just add a link to... Oh, yeah, page. good idea. So that's yeah. writtenchinese.com slash TW... Or episode... Uh, episode 84. 84. Yep, yep. Nice one. Nice one. And to come around full circle, the politics thing also becomes kind of, it's kind of, like, I I do feel like I have some idea what's going on back home, but once I actually step foot back home, you realize how much has changed and what you've missed in terms of news and politics. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if this really answers Jia Zhou Ren's question. Mm -hmm. But we kind of wanted to take it at a different angle and just show, like, demonstrate how disconnected your life can be when living abroad for so long. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear from other foreigners in China if they've experienced the same sort of thing as us, where you're in China and you sort of just you're just in a bubble. I mean, a lot of people I've I've spoken to say they feel that often feel that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you've got any. You know, if you've got any comments for us, please uh, please drop us a line. Please do. Yeah. So if you want to leave a comment uh, or, or anything like that, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash episode 84. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have a question for us, you can leave us a voicemail at writtenchinese.com slash 
voicemail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty please. simple. <laughs> please yeah. do. We're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a simple word of the day, which oh, yes, is please. the word for culture, because what we were talking about has changed quite a bit. I hope awesome. we haven't had that one before, but if so, you can review it. So culture is wen hua. Yeah. Awesome. So this cool. W-E-N, that's second tone, Hua, H-U-A, fourth tone. Holly will put the link on the show notes I will. on the website. Check I it out. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.